This morning I'm going to speak on trust. And I'm going to take my reading from the book of Job, chapter 14. Thank you, Peter. Chapter 14, verses 10 to 15. You all know the story of Job, so you do. There are times, brothers and sisters, in life, circumstances and situations come into life. And sometimes we handle it differently. So we do. But this morning we're just going to mention a wee bit about how Job handled his trial. Ones will tell you it's all about blessing. No, it's not. Because God makes you in tribulation. So he does. It's all about this morning trusting God. So let's hear what Job has to say to us this morning or the word of God. Verse 10 of chapter 14. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? As the waters fail from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and raveth not till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again. All the days of my appointed time Will, will, call, will I wait till my change come? Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thy hands. Brothers and sisters, many people go through life thinking that the rain just falls on the just or that God just blesses them and the wicked go through trials and temptations. But the word of God tells us that we ourselves must enter the kingdom of God through trial and tribulation. So we are not excluded from the same things as the wicked are excluded from, or not excluded from either. It has been said that the book of Job is one, if not the oldest book in the Bible. Job is a man that has been blessed with great wealth and one who was known to be righteous, a man with integrity or one who was honest and kept his principles. He loved and feared God, but his love for the Lord did not exclude him from suffering great affliction. You hear that, brothers and sisters? We love the Lord Jesus, but it does not stop us going through trials. It does not accept, stop tragedy coming into our life. We cannot avoid these things. But God will not give us or allow us to go into something that we are not able to bear. Neither did he allow Job to suffer what he could not bear. It is said that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But for Job, it did not just rain. Sorrow after sorrow after sorrow. 
Many people have experienced the awful loss of a child in their lifetime, some even two. But here was a man who had lost all 10 children at the same time, seven sons and three daughters. The reaction of the ungodly at hearing such news is to blame God. Even as Christians, we ask God why. And in our, and in our grief, we may say foolish things. But listen how Job responded to this tragedy. Listen to what, Go, what Job had to say. In Job 1 and verse 22, in all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. You hear that? Through his grief, through his sorrow, he did not charge God. He did not bring an accusation against God. He did not charge God. He did not blame God. But there are times there are Christians in things and we cry out, God, why are you doing this to me? Or why are you letting me go through this? Brothers and sisters, when we are going through trials, when we are going through temptations, when we are in the midst of battles, God is making us. God is melting us. God is molding us and shaping us. What does the word say? Conforming us to the image of his son. God has to make you. And God has to make me. And he makes us by going through trials in our life. None of us like it. None of us like to go through certain situations. None of us like to go through tragedy. By no means. Note that even Job had suffered great loss. It says he did not charge God foolishly. In other words, Job knew that God was not to blame for the tragedy that had come into his life. You see, brothers and sisters, what falls on the just falls on the unjust. None of us have preeminence over one another. We're all going to die. We're all going to suffer certain ways in life. Today, the church is suffering within and without persecution political correctness. All these things are coming against the church. You can't preach this. You can't say that. But brothers and sisters, remember this. The Lord Jesus says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but unto God the things that are God. And this book is God's word, and it must be preached and not diluted by any preacher. To dilute it is to go into apostasy and to turn away from the truth because Jesus says, my word shall never pass away. Heaven and earth will, but his word doesn't pass. It doesn't change. He said in, in the book of Psalm 119, verse 89, thy word, O Lord, is settled in heaven forever. We can't change it. Oh, brothers and sisters, we can't change it. We can take it and rewrite it to suit our way of living, but it doesn't alter the law of the harvest. It doesn't alter God's word. It doesn't change God's mind. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And thank God that it is, brothers and sisters, because if God behaved the way many of his servants today are behaving, we'd be in trouble. We'd have no confidence in him. 
We had had no confidence. As I read the story and watch the picture unfold before my eyes, I ask the question, how much can a man bear? A servant after servant comes to him with bad news. It seems that Job has been overcome by sorrow. He shaves his head and tears off his mantle and then falls to the ground. Is Job about to do what his wife said, curse God and die? No. Instead, Job falls on the ground and worships the Lord. This is what we should be doing in our trials, in our temptations, wherever we're at, whatever we're going through. We shouldn't mumber or moan about it. And we do, brothers and sisters. None of us are, are not guilty of that. But we should fall on our knees and worship the Lord. Is he not due it in the good times as well as the bad times? Yes, he is. He makes, he makes one of the greatest statements of trust ever recorded in Scripture when he said in Job 1 and 21, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord give, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, are you trusting the Lord? Are you trusting the Lord? Where you are at, excuse me, where you are at, are you trusting the Lord? Whatever your circumstances is, whatever your situation is, whatever your trial is, are you trusting the Lord? Do you know what I do, brothers and sisters? This doesn't make me any better than anyone else by no means. I take my complaints and I take everything to God. I don't rely on pastors and thank God for them. I don't rely on elders and thank God for them. I go to the Lord. I'm like Hezekiah. When the Cain, the Syrians came against him, they set the conditions. Here's the conditions for surrender. And this is what the enemy does when you're going through things. Here's the conditions. Turn to me and I will make it easier. But Hezekiah didn't do that. Hezekiah took the ladder and he went into the temple of God and he spread it before the Lord. So he did. And he brought it before the Lord. Israel was outnumbered. They were in trouble, so they were. And if Hezekiah had turned around and accepted the conditions of surrender, Israel would have become captives to the Assyrians. But what did he do? He went to the Lord. He called upon God. And what did God do? Hezekiah slept that night. Got up the next morning, and news came to him that the angel of the Lord had slain 185,000 of his enemies. God undertook. And brothers and sisters, in the situations that we are in, in the battles that we are in, we are to trust God that God will undertake. But you know, he didn't turn up when I wanted him to. No, but he'll turn up when he wants to. He'll turn up. He'll not fail you. You've got to keep trusting You've got to keep persevering. This is what warfare is all about, trusting God and believing that God will come through, even if it's not your way of doing things. Trust the Lord. 
Satan had failed in his attempt to get Job to curse God. Yes, on the mountain of blessing, it is easy to praise God. But Job was no longer on the mountain. Now we see him in the valley of despair. Was Satan right? Did Job fear God for naught? Are the fears he has coined today good living for a living? No. Instead, he falls to the ground and worships the one who spoke all things into being. We are to trust the Lord. Where you're at, brother, where you're at, sister, trust the Lord. But you don't know where I'm at? No, I don't. But he does. And you don't know where I'm at, but he does. But I'm trusting God. I believe in God. And brothers and sisters, we should all trust him. The atheist will tell you that there is no God. But God answers the atheist in Psalm 14 and verse 1. And here's what God has to say. People say, oh, don't say that. Don't say this. The church needs a voice. The church needs a voice today. It needs to speak up. It needs to speak up. And listen to how God answers the atheist. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. God has an answer for you. God has an answer for you. Even those today that are suing, even those today that are scoffers, even those today that are mocking the Christian faith, God has an answer for you. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God has an answer. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. God is not only the creator of this vast universe, he also, he is also man's creator too. In Genesis 2 and 7 we read, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. You hear that? He became a living soul. He became a living, breathing creature. A living, breathing creature. Scholars will debate as to what a soul is by giving their view or opinion and even confusing those of us who depend more on their exposition than we do on the Word of God. But God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. His word is clear that when he breathed into man, that man became a living soul. Listen to the Lord speaking in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, and repeats the penalty in Ezekiel 18 and 20 for those who will not repent of their sin, but will continue in it. Listen to what God said through the prophet. When we're turning around today and we say, my body I'll do as I please. My life, I'll do as I please. Listen to how God answers you. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. Now listen to what he says. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. God has an answer. God has an answer for the wicked, but he expects the redeemed to trust him in their trials, in their situations, and in their circumstances. 
In Genesis 2 and 17, after God had created man for his own good, that is man's good, God gave him a command with a warning. The command was not to eat of the tree of knowledge that contained the knowing of good and evil. The warning was that if he disobeyed the command, that he would surely die, which means in Hebrew, dying thou shall die. Humanism believes in its own ability to achieve happiness and fulfillment without God. Religion wants heaven without the cross, which means dying, thou shalt die. Dying, thou shalt die. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 1 and 18 says. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us, the redeemed, the born again, those that are disciples of Christ, those that love the Lord Jesus, those that have turned away from their sin. It says, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Have we stopped believing that the word of God is the answer? Have we stopped believing that this is God's authority and that the Holy Ghost takes it and convicts men and women of sin and righteousness and of judgment to come? Have we stopped trusting it? Have we stopped practicing it in our lives? Or are we how we turn to humanism today and are doing things that man pleases man and pleases woman and therefore God is cut out? God is cast out. Oh, Christians do it. Let's go with the flow. Let's do what the Romans do. No, brothers and sisters. That's why the believers were fed to the lands. They wouldn't do what the Romans did. They did what God wanted them to do. And that was not to deny their Lord. That was not to deny their Lord. We need to open our ears and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to our hearts. For the message is unchangeable. God told Adam that he would surely die. And God means what he says. But listen, just as there is a voice of God to lead us into the kingdom by following the instructions of his word, there is another voice that desires to keep us from the kingdom. And this is the voice of the enemy. The enemy who tricked Eve into believing that God does not keep his word. Ach, there's no harm in this. There's no harm in that. Well, brothers and sisters, let the Bible answer that for you. Let the word of God speak to you. Let your ears be open to what has been said from God's word. This is why God tells the people through his word, through the apostle Paul, forsake not the sounding together of one another as the manner of some is. It's to come together. It's to hear the word. It's to receive instruction. And what you can do is open your Bible and if the preacher's preaching contrary to what the word of God says, then you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to listen to it because the preacher has to bring you what's in the book. Ah, but I feel or I think. You, what you feel and what you think doesn't matter. It's what God says. What I think and what I say doesn't matter. It's what God says. We are to live according to his word. We are to do his will. Did he not tell us about the Father? All that love him will do his will. Did he not tell us that? When Satan said, you shall 
not surely die. This is the voice that will rob you. And I emphasize you, for the angel said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, and I think this is lovely, brothers and sisters. I think this is great news for the sinner. I think this is good hope for the sinner. Listen to what he says. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God sent his Son. God sent his Son. Not to have a party. Jesus was sent to die. Jesus was sent to suffer. Jesus was sent to pay the debt, a debt that you and a debt that I could not pay. But he came to pay the ransom. There was a demand, and that demand was blood. That demand was blood. And this is why he shed his blood to wash us, to cleanse us from our sin but not to be repeaters of it, to turn away from it. That's what repent means, turn. This is the voice that will rob you from the presence of God, his friendship, his fellowship, and a place in his kingdom. If, like Eve, you allow yourself to believe a lie. John 10 and verse 10 tells us this. And the speaker is the Lord Jesus, not me. I'm only repeating what he says. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and kill and to destroy. And that's what he's doing today. He's robbing people of salvation. He's robbing believers even of the truth. I am come, says Jesus, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The life that Jesus Christ offers us today is not just a better quality of life for the now, but everlasting life for the future. So Job asks the question in Job 14 and 14, if a man die, shall he live again? Satan will say, eat, drink, and be merry, for you only live once. If he does not trick you with that phrase, he will tell you that you are a long time dead. But those of us who know the truth like Job know that there is a day of resurrection. There is a day of resurrection. Brothers and sisters, not only is it a day of resurrection, it is a day of accountability. It is a day of accountability. Many of us like to think we know it all. Well, I'm only am who don't because I know very little. But I do know this, that I have to give an account for my stewardship. And I have to give an account for every idle word that I speak. And so will you. So will you. Listen to the hope that Job has in his heart. He puts the question forth and he answers for himself. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait. Till my change come, thou shalt call and I will answer thee. Job, if you're in the grave, 
Who's going to call? How are you going to hear? We ask these questions. So we do. We ask these questions. Now listen to what Jesus says. Many underestimate the Word of God today, even in the Christian family. Listen to what Jesus says. And I believe Job is speaking of this day when he says he'll wait until his change comes. And then he speaks of someone calling and him answering. And listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There is a judgment. There is a resurrection. How do you stand? How do I stand? How do the wicked stand? If we don't know Christ, if we are not keeping his word, if we are not following the example, what is a disciple? Weren't the disciples sent out? Weren't they told to make disciples of all nations? What does he do? He imitates his Lord. He follows his example. He keeps his word. And he guards his heart. That's what a disciple is. This does not mean that the unsaved will raise at the same time as the saved. These verses are speaking of two resurrections. One of the righteous who will raise first at the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then that will be the experience, the putting on of a new spiritual house that is, that is mentioned. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but the lost, those who in their lifetime, who rejected the message of the gospel, will remain in the grave until the day of their judgment. Revelation chapter 20. The day of the Lord is fast approaching. Brothers and sisters, we are seeing with our eyes many things happening, taking place, not only in the world, but in the church. The church has compromised the book. God doesn't compromise that book. He'll not do it for me. He'll not do it for me, and he will not do it for you. I'm skipping things so I can get finished. I have another 30 minutes to go. I listen to what Paul says. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Are we preaching a different gospel from Paul? Is the church preaching a different gospel from Paul? You only need to listen to the news. You only need to read the papers and you'll see that it is. 
That's if you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. There are preachers who do not want to offend the crowds that come to hear their message. And I mean their message. For the word repent, judgment, hell are left out of their sermon so that people will come back to hear them again. It is said, what Job feared came upon him. Every preacher should stand in fear and trembling for the souls that come to hear them preach because some will hear it for the first time and some for the last. Our fear should be that if they hear us, then they will leave the meeting the same way that they came in. But if they hear the voice of the shepherd, they will be convicted of sin, righteousness, and the judgment which is coming. For listen to what Jesus says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's a trusting, and there's a following, brothers and sisters. And we must do it God's way, and not our way. I try to line everything up, what I try to preach or do, according to the word. Because I want to stay right with God. This means that they are no longer walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. For the word of God says in 2 Corinthians 15 and 17, speaking of the believer, therefore, and I'm coming to a close, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. This does not mean that we become perfect people. By no means. There's no one sinless among us. But then there should be no one careless either in how we practice our Christian walk before God. Jeremiah the prophet, Israel is sinning. God speaks to him. Says to him, go down to the house of the potter and there I will speak to you. There I will speak to you. Go to the house of the Lord. Go to the word of God. And that's where God will speak to you. Go down to the house of the potter. And I will tell you what to say to Israel. What was Jeremiah going to do? He was going to watch the potter. He was going to watch the clay being melted, molded, water poured upon it. He was going to watch God develop it. Just what God is doing with us. Just what I said this morning. God is conforming us to the image of his son. We must let God break us, make us, melt us and mold us so that we can reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what the life of a believer is. To reveal Christ. To express Christ to show Christ and not to live our selfish lives our way, but to live it his way. Because do you know what he says in Matthew chapter 7? Many come to him, Lord, are we great people? Do we not cast out demons? Do we not preach? Do we not do this? Do we not say that? And it says that Christ looks at them and says, depart, I never knew you, ye workers of iniquity. Meaning, workers of lawlessness. 
Oh, they were professing Christ. They were doing great things. Sounds like a church you'd like to be in, church you'd like to be at. Signs and wonders taking place. But they weren't living right. Weren't living right. And Jesus was the one who said, not me. Because I, I have to be honest, I'd feel in a terrible state if he said that to me. Depart, ye workers of iniquity. Depart, ye workers of iniquity. Job knew what it was to lose his wealth, health, and family, but he also knew what it was to have the richness and hope of God's word abiding in his soul. For even though his heart was pierced with the sword of grief, his soul remained steadfast in the faithfulness of God. And with great expectation for the future, he had this to say in Job 19, verse 25 to 27. And this is where I finish. For I know, do you know? For I know, do I know? For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter days upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Praise team, come forward, please. Did you hear the message this morning, brothers and sisters? In this, through this, trust God. Because these things will come your way. When you live godly, the Bible says, you suffer persecution. But if you mix with the world, they see no difference. You're just like the tares among the wheat. But when you're wheat, you're different. You're different, brothers and sisters. Let the word of God.